Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. Inside the Cajun Tavern Inn, our heroes have started to examine the room of Ichabon T-Strainer, who is the missing halfling naturalist they've come to Red Tower to find. They heard he left town with an unknown woman and appears to have thought he was returning due to leaving most of his belongings in the room in the inn. However, the inspection is cut short when Jonathan noticed a scrying sensor in the corner. Bernie was able to dispel that magic, and now the team re-enters the room, perhaps with more questions that need answering. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe, and I have a perennial favorite that is back because it is cold again. I have tea and vodka. I have a little bit of the blackberry sage tea that I love so much, and just a little bit of vodka because I have other things I have to do tonight, and so I'm taking it a little easy. But I needed something warm, both in temperature and in going down and feeling good. Bernie, what are you drinking? This is kind of sad. We went out and we like bought like our beers for the next probably month and they all looked really good and wonderful. And then when I was like getting ready to come up here, I was like, I actually would rather have ice cream. <laughs> I like ice cream. I, ice cream so, good. I, so uh, spoiler, we all sit around and chat for a little while before we actually start recording. So I ate ice cream, uh, just like the, the gallon ice cream you buy from, not the whole gallon, but that you buy from the grocery store. And it was really yummy. And I think, honestly, it is uh, super important any time you're uh, – in a situation where you're expected to drink and you just have that feeling, you're like, I don't really want to honor that mm -hmm. feeling. Like, I just wasn't feeling it. And so I have water in my Rudy's cup and I had ice cream earlier. And that's the thing I actually wanted. And I just want to remind everyone that you can always just choose the thing you want. Exactly. Yeah. Drink what you want. Drink what you want, whether it is alcohol or not. Find your drinking joy. Yeah. Even if it's not drinking, it's actually yeah. eating ice cream. Even if your drinking joy is ice cream. I will admit, we did split a really good Collective Arts Brewery uh, cider last night. So, mm. I shout out to them who everyone... If you, if you live in Ontario, you can get your hands on Collective Arts, and you should, because they make really good beer, and they make really good cider. Good to know. Let's do Carlton. What are you drinking? Hi, I'm Carlton, uh, and tonight I'm drinking Pink Ting, a sparkling grapefruit-flavored beverage. Uh, this was one of the mystery sodas that my friend of the show, Jason, got me for my birthday all those many moons ago, uh, and it is a nice, refreshing summer beverage. I'm not a huge grapefruit fan, but it is drinkable, which, for somebody who doesn't like grapefruit, is saying something. It looks like Pepto from here. I don't know, everyone else who's, who's viewing him on camera. The label is definitely Pepto-colored, but the yeah. actual beverage itself. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. The the it's Pepto label, but the actual beverage is at least grapefruit colored, reasonably grapefruit colored. It's also is it almost matches your hair. I know you're very very uh coordinated today. Absolutely, you can post this in streetwear subreddit. <laughs> Getting ready for Pax West. Got the dyed hair. And coming up next, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Muscular, And tonight, I am taking it easy as well, and just having a diet soda. Mm -mm, diet soda. Mm. Which diet soda? A uh, diet Pepsi. 
May I ask you a question as someone sure. who doesn't drink much diet soda and always sort of had that like, like my introduction to diet soda was in the 90s. So I will leave space for in the past 20 years, massive change in the soda industry. Do you ever find that like, so if you are like a Coke or a Pepsi person, are you ever like, okay, regular Coke is better, but I like diet Pepsi better? I would say that I would prefer any non-diet soda to any diet soda. Oh, yes. No, but comparing. Comparing apples to apples. I mean, I just like Diet Pepsi more than Diet Coke. It's just got a more pleasant flavor. It doesn't use whatever the normal sweetener is uh, that like Diet Coke and like Diet Dr. Pepper use. So I think it's aspartame. I don't know that. It, yeah, it doesn't have any aspartame in it. It's probably got something else that's bad, but but it's... It's fine. I try not to drink as much of it. Better the devil you don't know, actually, in this case. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Now, second follow question. I have friends who swear by Coke Zero. Luke does. I used to like My it. My diabetic friend does as well. I've, I've had it before. I just haven't revisited it. Uh, I've just kind of been sticking with what I know. Or what I, I guess what I've known recently. The familiar. Sometimes, even if the familiar isn't uh, amazing, the comfort of knowing is better than the comfort of not knowing. I mean, I've had other stuff. Like, I've had Coke Zero before. And mm -hmm. I had, I've had, like, the, all of the new Zeros. Like, I think there's, like, a, a Dr. Pepper Zero. And, and those are fine. I just, I, I, I've kind of gotten myself into a routine. Hmm. I like routine. It's comforting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually tried a diet in a very long time because I'm I'm the same where I don't drink pop that often. And so when I do, I'm like, well, I'm just giving into all the sugar. Just give give just a whole sugar in my mouth. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening reinforces the idea while it is okay some nights not to drink, it is also okay to drink. Hey. <laughs> Combo breaker for, for the team, I guess, today. For what I have <laughs> we here bookend it. is Trog's <laughs> Independent Brewing's Hop Cyclone Hazy Double IPA. Now, those of you who are listeners to the show think, Jack, you don't like IPA. You've gone on record as saying you don't care for these things. Well, I did not pick this up. For you see, we have recently <laughs> moved to a beautiful new, new, by which I mean 114-year-old house that has been beautifully renovated. Oh, is it like a ghost beer? Like the previous ghost of the house left it for you? Oh, would, <laughs> were it that You said it's 100-something years old. No, definitely the, the beer, the house is, the beer. Oh, we just assume because we've been hearing noises all ever since we moved in. It's still satellite. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's uh, we have to keep in mind when the house was built, the Ottomans still had an empire. <laughs> but uh, so maybe it's some Ottoman ghost somewhere, some Janissaries knocking at the door, like Avengers, Travancore, Avengers. But see, the thing is, is like once the house gets to know you, it's not going to go get out. It'll be like, welcome. Would you like some cookies? It's not going to be get out. It's going to be get soda, but get. Get the diet kind that we like. So don't get I the diet kind we don't I like. I kind of like the greeny run here because I basically moved to the forest, a choice that Travancore I think would be very proud of. It's really beautiful around here. There's a creek nearby. There's a whole trail. And whenever I walk my dog, it's sort of like, in a weird way, it reminds me of Indi like Kerala, but like with like Western American style trees as opposed to like you know palm trees and stuff. Now. Let's go to the live tasting. I was waiting to try this out. It is an IPA, so my expectations are not high. It is supposed to be served in the chalice, so I did not have time to, to unpack one, because we're still living out of boxes. But here we go. Okay, oh, smell the pineapple, actually. That's that's good. A lot of mm. things that say they're like, oh, I've got this berry in me, and you're like, no, you don't. Oh, he's taking a second swig. Okay. It's still very hoppy. It's a hop cyclone, so I mean, it, it delivers what it's advertised. 
but maybe I've been away from hoppy IPAs for long enough that I can appreciate them and not be like, ugh, IPA. Check in with me in a half an hour. I'll let you know for sure. We'll see if you're still if you're still sipping oh, away. If by you're the like... way, nine percent alcohol by volume. So I feel like I'm getting a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot for my money. So or for my wife's money for because she bought it for us. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely check in about halfway through the game. I'll be like, and driving core, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but for the moment, we're gonna pick up uh, where last we left our heroes, which is the Cajun Tavern Inn, the Scrying Sensor, and the Dispel Magic that has just gone off. You had all gone over to another room that had been set aside for you to use as an actual sleeping area uh, so that you did not have to sleep in the same room that was currently housing the remains of what Ichabon T-Strainer has left behind as he has gone off and gone missing. Bernie has dispelled that magic and you are all filing back into the room now a little more confident in the fact that there is not anything weird going on. You had done some investigating, you had some questions, and then there was a lot of confusion. Is there anything you'd like to do? Or we'll kind of just pick it up right there. What would you like to do? Bernie wants to tug on Jonathan's sleeve and she's gonna use... She doesn't know any of the, she doesn't know common sign language. She doesn't know any dialectical sign language as we have discussed before. And so she's going to make motions where she like tries to make a like eyeball and she's like question mark. Like she's like trying to ask Jonathan if the person's crying on us is still here because she dispelled it, but she wants to make sure it's not back. So Jonathan the Magimuscular had detected it via true seeing, which lasts an hour. Uh, I'm guessing it that has expired. Uh, no, I think you would actually cast that when you entered the room. Okay. And it has definitely not been more than an hour. So All you right. still have true seeing up. Jonathan Magimuscular peeks into the room to look around for the um, scrying sensor. You take a look. The corner is empty. And, and I'll even say you take a look, or you like start with the corner. Nope, not there. And then scan the rest of the room. You don't see anything. Uh, nope. Jonathan Magimuscular doesn't see any more scrying sensors. Bernie gives him a big thumbs up and then remembers that she can talk. She goes, oh, great. And she's going to walk into the room. Is it just us four? It's just you four now because your the sister of the brother-sister team, uh, Adriana, she basically gave you the keys to the other room and then headed back downstairs and said, if you need anything to come and talk to her. But for the moment, you four are alone. Okay, so now that no one is paying attention, we can stop acting like we're idiots and figure out what's going on here. Detective so, so it seems like, I mean, he, he left in a hurry and totally meant to come back. Uh, so I guess we start looking for the, the woman that he left with. Yeah, do you think he has like a journal or a notebook or like... Anything? Did we find anything like that? Had we looked? You had started to to take a look in the room. You had found a fairly large backpack under the bed. I think specifically Shadow and Carlton had kind of worked together to find that under the bed. That they had done a very cursory glance to see that it was still had stuff in it. 
and there is still stuff dotted around the room, but because you saw the scrying sensor fairly quickly, um, nobody really had a chance to do any kind of in-depth investigation. So if you did want to pull that back out, if you did want to kind of rifle through some drawers, if you want to go ahead and do that, then I would love some, I, I would love either two people to give me investigation checks or one person with advantage. I'll let you pick who. It should not be me. It should not be me the either. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to investigate with his true seeing eyes. Look, look with your special eyes. Carlton, are you going to investigate or you want to help Jonathan? Yeah, I will kind of like nudge Jonathan like, hey, like, don't forget to check over here. Don't forget to check over there. Ah, and you're also, assisting me. Yes, I am, a, I am your assistant. To make, I've got the notebook. Like, All right, we checked the left corner. We checked the right corner. <laughs> we checked. Well, with the- We did forget the center corner. With advantage, uh, Jonathan Magimuscular rolls a 22 on his investigation. Bernie's going to be like, don't forget to look under the mattress and check for loose floorboards. Check. Carlton? Do you want me to cut open the mattress too and check it for you there, boss? No, we have to no. pay for that. Probably off to have to play for, pay for the floorboards. Carlton, uh, let's do 50% effort on the floorboards. So they floorboards stay intact, but they are just moved. Well, only if they're already movable. You know, like with the floorboards loose, it's you you guys didn't spend a lot of time hiding things from people as children have you ever played the game i think it's called jenga joinga jenga i played i don't remember i played joinga before we have it back home ah oh okay uh maybe maybe something was lost in translation anyway jonathan the magimuscular when he would play this game if you're allowed if the house rules allow for it you test which board or which uh, block can actually move, and then you move it. Oh, no, that's punishable by death. Well, okay. In Karen <laughs> Catlin-Deer, which I imagine... Is, so, that, is that a side effect of making a deal with a demon? Brakonum is the, to, the, to, the, to the extreme west, right? Yes, it's okay. across the ocean. So since Karen Catlin-Deer are islands to the west of Faerun as well, I feel like some elements of... Jarnga? Brakonum culture filtered <laughs> through, such as the game we know as Jongo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's drifting. <laughs> and, and, I'm writing uh, this down, though. Jongo. J-O-N. This is how you don't get sued by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Glimshark exists. This was, yes, this was a, <laughs> three of us here, remember, this was a discussion. Anyway. But in our version of the game, Carlton, uh, you could tap to see. Um, so Jonathan the Magimuscular wants you to do that to the floorboards. See if any of them move, and if they do, move them. Okay. And while you're doing that, I'm going to look at the back. All right. Carlton, I want you to give me a sleight of hand with advantage in order to do what Jonathan has instructed you to do. And uh, while you roll that, I'm going to kind of narrate what the other things that you found with Jonathan's investigation check with all of you helping. Because what I imagine is Jonathan has stood in the middle of the room with his true sight as the rest of you are calling out, oh, don't forget over here, oh, don't forget over there. And so like are either holding up a bag or opening up a drawer or whatever it is that is required in order to investigate things. And Jonathan is able to use his investigative skills and his true sight in order to get a, a view on everything. So before we get to the floorboards, the bag under the bed contains 
mostly a variety of the standard gear that one would bring if you are traveling, especially uh, all of you mostly have all of this gear on you, although you haven't needed to use a lot of it in a while because Jonathan is teleport and, uh, you know, you've had horses or you've been in towns for a while or some of you have access to spells that let you just create food and water. So there's a lot of that kind of regular gear. You do also find two different notebooks, both of which, when when flipped through, they're in common, and they don't seem to be anything especially interesting. Neither of them are a journal per se, more like field notes for two different things. One of them seems to be specifically for alchemical observations. You know that Ichabon was out here specifically looking for items that could be used in a variety of alchemical either agents for potions or spells or anything like that, and also looking for unique things to be used in new spells being created or as replacements for other things in spells. And so one of these journals is kind of just like observational lists of things that he has come across with notes, a couple of very basic drawings. Travancore, you actually recognize some of the plants that he's drawn. Um, this this is a halfling that has at least enough art skill to be able to draw the stuff that he's seeing accurately enough that you are able to go, oh yeah, that's that fern that I recognize. The other notebook does seem to be more of a generalized travel log that is, I've been here, I've gone there, I've done this. I'm not going to call it a journal because it is not filled with any personalized thoughts. It is very bullet pointy. Jonathan, you actually think this is more for the watchful order. This is more to give them an accounting of where he went, what he did, um, there's even some mention of things that he bought, including prices, places that he stayed. So you think this this might be half ledger, half a uh, accounting book for the watchful order for his job. The interesting thing about it is you're able to look at the last couple of pages. Uh, you are able to confirm that he came to uh, the town alone. He did not encounter any trouble on the way here. He had already been in town for a couple of days because there are entries of him actually buying some of the same kinds of trinkets and stuff that you've seen. There's no explanation of anything, just like the bought from this place, bought from this place. Uh, oh, like a list of places we can now go investigate to see what they know about him? Oh, yeah, definitely. And one of them does include... Uh, one of them includes Eva, who's a halfling woman who runs an orchard outside of town. Um, she comes, from the notes that you're able to see, she comes into town selling some of the wares, and he had bought a couple, and he's actually, a couple of apples. He's actually got a note saying that he had promised to visit the orchard before he left, and... Uh, yes, because he wanted to pick up a few apples before he returned home. So he's got literally a note there saying, you know, he bought a couple, uh, was impressed, promised to visit the orchard because Eva only comes into town a couple of times a week to sell. Uh, she's not there all the time. 
You are also able to see the last entries were a couple of days ago, and there's nothing there about meeting up with anyone in specific. That's what was all in the bag. Bernie Bernie pokes at Jonathan and she says, Okay, two things. If we go to this evil lady's place, Travancore might stay there forever. Possible. So we need an exit strategy. But also, can your true sight see if there's invisible ink on this? Yes. So no invisible ink? Well, that's just a little disappointing, if I'm honest. Jonathan the Magimuscular has considered putting secret notes into a spellbook uh, with invisible ink. And obviously, if Jonathan the Magimuscular needed invisible ink, you would be the person I would go to. It's a lot of work. It's already a lot of work just to put stuff in the spellbook. Having to do that and then switch inks, and then you don't know which ink you used, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're as I like to say, putting your, your secrets on main, you're, you know, <laughs> with your main ink, then that can be bad. So Jonathan the Magimuscular just feels like, it's just normal inks. I don't know how people just... Find out they don't know what ink they use. It seems a little... Uh, so, listen, uh, <sighs> Jonathan the Magimuscular sometimes gets real drunk and then forgets forgets which ink he's on. <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. Travancore, are you real excited to go buy some apples? I'm sorry, I didn't hear anything he said after apples. <laughs> <laughs> Great, he's gonna and be... Travancore just shuts out the rest of what Jonathan's saying. Just focuses on the apples bit. John, Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of pantomimes behind Travancore's back where he can't see, and pantomimes to Bernie, you know, blackjack back of the head, catch, carry away. Bernie just points over to Carlton and just shrugs. And says, yeah, okay. And she says, Carlton, have you ever heard of an exit strategy and would you like to be one? I can, I can be an exit. What? That sounds excellent. How, how are the boards coming, Carlton? Oh, yeah, you said there your... were two books, right? Uh, well, yes. there was the field notes, and then there was the uh, the like uh, glorified timesheets. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking um, that you know if uh, Carlton is the uh, Doctor Watson to uh, to Travancore's at uh, you know Sherlock Holmes, then you know all doctors take the boards. Boom! Boom! You uh, asked. Man, I was willing to keep that one to myself. Nope, that's it. That's that. You know what? I have no regrets. I I saw that you had something to say, and sometimes my 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 job as a DM is just to facilitate. So you're welcome. <laughs> One day someone's gonna ask us how we knew the podcast had died. It was <laughs> an eleven on my sleight of hand. Eleven. Okay. Uh, you do a bunch of tap tap tapping and checking boards out and everything. You don't think any of these boards have been loosened or altered in any way. In fact, you're kind of impressed by the quality of the floor like there's nothing even creaky in here okay uh yeah jonathan uh no unless uh, i can go more than like half seas on my looking under the floorboards i'm not finding anything okay i just realized bernie should have done the sleight of hand i have a big bonus <laughs> uh so we don't have any other leads right like the like, so our, I guess, has our investigation checks found anything else interesting? Uh, the only other slightly interesting thing that you found is in one of the drawers, there is a bag that when you've opened it up is partitioned out in a very interesting way. 
because it is obviously a samples bag. Uh, so it's like a bag that has a lot of other bags and pockets and nooks and crannies in it. And with a cursory glance, especially with a Travancore nearby, you're able to see that these are samples of a variety of plants, mushrooms, some dirt, some rocks, a couple things that are unidentifiable, but not because they seem weird or magical, but mostly because it's just a small enough piece that it's not enough to identify the whole. But the vast majority of it looks benign to, you know, Travancore, you would point at a few things and be like, don't eat that. Don't touch that. That looks like poison ivy. Stuff like that. So he left his, the fact that he left his sample bag behind is probably the clearest indication that he has not left thinking he was leaving for good. Otherwise, there's not much else in this room, just the, just the rest of his stuff. I will say, you, Jonathan, you know that Ichabon does have some magic. He's not a high level uh, mage by any sort, but he is a spellcaster and you don't see anything that would resemble a focus or a components pouch or anything like that. So do I know if he's a sorcerer or a wizard or a warlock? Give me a history check. Let's see if you remember. While he's doing that, Travancore wants to know if there's anything in the sample bag that would be particularly native to the area that they're in. Once again, with a very cursory glance, you can see absolutely. He's been taking samples of the local flora and fauna of, of stuff. You can, you can even see uh, just some of the bushes and trees that you would have recognized on your walk on the way in are also in this bag. He's been pretty thorough. Okay, but nothing that only grows there. You make a nature check. Okay. Jonathan, what did you roll? 17. Uh, with a 17, you know he's a wizard. Uh, okay. So you know he probably has a spell book and he should have a focus. Which we don't find at all. Okay. Nope. You don't find any anything that would be like that. Travancore, what'd you get in your nature? Eight. Uh, with an eight, it's a little hard to tell with just being samples. You might, now that you've kind of looked through the bag and uh, can kind of have it in the back of your head, you can be looking around if if and when you leave town if and when you're out and about in in the the natural area because you're not as familiar with this area as you are with say the west coast the the furthest west coast of the sword coast so you don't quite know all of the native stuff that would be native here but not somewhere else that's something yeah you can kind of keep it in the back of your head and as you're walking around be like that tree <laughs> So it seems like the only lead that we have is uh, Ava. So let's go see Ava and see if she maybe he mentioned something to her or, you know, maybe he said, hey, I just, you know, I'd love to stay, but I got to go do a thing. I don't, I don't know what he sounds like. Jonathan the Magimuscular can't do an impression. You can take a long rest now. You've got the room. Uh, if you want to use the room, you can do other things if you want to. If someone does want to go and talk to the two owners, uh, it's Adriana and Am Ambrosi Jorsky. A quick chat with them will reveal that most of the businesses are sun, sun up to sundown. So that gives you some idea about times. You know that Ava comes into town every three days. And actually does the selling of the apples just outside of the Cajun Tavern Inn, which is why they know the schedule. And they say that Ava will be here tomorrow, or is supposed to be anyway. And they don't know any other specific information, but they do know that she talked to Ichabon. 
So if you'd like to get a long rest, and then tomorrow we can do a, a montage of investigations, we can do that if you'd like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Montage! Montage! Everybody gets a long rest. I'm just going to assume, unless anyone says so, that you're sacking out in the room that the Cajun Tavern Inn has provided for you. And early in the morning, as you all get up and get ready and head downstairs, there is a little bit of breakfast that is had. It's pretty basic. It's nothing amazing. But the two who run the Cajun Tavern Inn have brought Ava inside from her stand that she's been setting up and you have a chance to chat with her. And over the course of breakfast, what you're able to find out pretty easily is that she had talked to Ichabon a bunch over the day that uh, she saw him, which was like three days ago. And in the course of talking with him, he talked about how he was rushing back up towards the end of the day, rushing back up to his room to grab a few things and was meeting up with someone as he was really excited to be brought in on a special project. And while he didn't give a lot of details, Ava did see a tall, lanky human woman in a long cloak with the hood pulled up so she couldn't see much of the the woman's face but she was able to confirm this is a human woman kind of a more plain face with long hair and that as they were leaving uh she overheard them talking about specifically an alchemical thing that she was trying to get Ichabon in on that this was his expertise was needed for this thing that she was doing and that what what she needed was a brilliant alchemist and that that's what they were rushing off to go do and that was three days ago and since then no, no one has come back to the room nothing has been seen did ava recall where they were rushing off to they were going to the scarlet citadel okay oh poor ichabon you gullible idiot <laughs> But Jonathan, jo everything that Jonathan the Magic Muscular has heard is that this is an amusement park. So there's like, it's fun monsters. You walk in and it's like, uh, mimic. Okay, blast you. All right, yeah, move on. Like, did surely in Waterdeep you guys have gone to to Wallyland, right? And you've ridden the little the little boat that goes through the thing, and it's like things jump out, and it's like. I, I I thought this was going to be a dungeon version of that. Jonathan the Mensch Muscular did. Who surely? Number one, Jonathan. <clears throat> I I get motion sick on those rides, so I don't ride them. But I do eat the treats. I've eaten the treats there. They're overpriced, but nice. Um, number two, have you ever run a con? No, uh, obviously not. Jonathan the Mensch Muscular seems like the perfect mark. If all things are to be believed. Should Bernie do a check to make sure, <laughs> like? No, I think I I think you okay. can believe him. Yeah. Uh, no, no. To make sure that she has correctly identified the poor Ichabon has been conned. Oh, her belief all along that he has like, been conned, like an aggregate uh, con check. Like, 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 perhaps she rolls persuasion. <laughs> like he thought the log town was just a log flume. It, it's it's the it's the putting together the uh, the Kaiser Sose montage at the end where all the images like flash in Bernie's mind, and she reaches the conclusion of con. 
I'll let you I'll let you roll an insight check. Uh, but before you even roll it, I will say, uh, especially as Jonathan brings this up, that now that you've been in this town and hearing what a Rass had to say about this town and hearing what some other people have said about the Scarlet Citadel, you think the town is the 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 happy fun ride. The Scarlet Citadel might be the bait and also the real thing. Kind of the same way the yawning portal is. People go to the yawning portal and they have a fun time and they hear all the stories and Dernan is right there and it's this wonderful tavern that people go to that people love and then there's the well right there and hey be an adventurer and go down the well and yay everyone cheers when they go down the well and then you get to the bottom of the well and you're in the underdark and there's some serious shit there so it's kind of like hey i want to go to disney world and then you go to disney world and then you realize i'm in florida yeah well it's like hey i want to go this is this to me to me julia Feels like how I felt like when I lived in New York, because every I would watch, because I had to go through Times Square to get to the rock climbing place that I used to go to. I would watch tourists in Times Square treat Times Square like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. In Disneyland, once you enter those gates, every person is in costume is paid by the place you're in to interact with you, and to interact with you in a safe manner. Ain't no one paying the man dressed up as Elmo in Times Square but you, my friends. People are in Times Square like they're in Disneyland. Like they're in, Disneyland is a controlled environment. My God, is it a controlled environment. Oh, yeah. New York is not a controlled environment. (laughs) These are all apt descriptions. And when you kind of, you're having this discussion in front of Ava and she kind of gives you a sad little smile and says, some of the people here are more likely to be friendly and some of the people here are more likely to be predatory. But yeah. Ava sounds like the uh, defeated Orlando resident. There's a reason that she lives outside of the town. And <laughs> oh, she lives at Crystal Lake. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ava's in Far Rock. <laughs> uh, Bernie, Bernie just looks at, at John. She says, so usually when you run a con where you, it's it's very um get your mark 101, if you know what I mean. Like he's the brilliant alchemist. And this is a person who has clearly identified that he's always wanted to go on this adventure. And they're offering everything he wants, plus a lot of compliments. And maybe they do need his alchemical skills, but probably not. But they definitely need something from him. But there's only one way to find out what that is. Ride the logs them. <laughs> teleport back back to the uh back to Waterdeep. Yes. So, I mean you can absolutely do that and be like, job done, hmm. he's in the Scarlet Citadel. He's in the Scarlet Citadel, we guys. Found, we have right found him vaguely. We found him. Yeah. <laughs> on the map, I can point to it on a map. Pay me. So <laughs> I may miss this. What does Ava actually sell? She sells apples. She's got an apple cart outside. Obviously. Okay, that's right. That's I got all excited about it. I totally just mind blank new house stuff. Um, you have two totally kids. Okay. I'm yeah. surprised your cognitive functions are still intact. I exactly. thought this was a trick. I thought this was a trap and cord <laughs> trick. I thought this was you being like, it's a, it's no, a this trap is of dad brain. A trap and cord trying to be cool? Like, 
try and pretend like he's not in an apple throw. Like, well, let me say <laughs> earlier, what is um, <laughs> John had like this like dad class sneeze, and I think that's something you only unlock when you become a dad. Because my dad used to sneeze and shake the entire house. Like, I still shudder a little bit at this like five foot three guy when he sneezes in his house because it's the loudest thing ever. But yeah, Travancore obviously buys like a shit ton of apples. How how far down do we get? Before Jonathan and Bernie look at each other and start to go exit strategy. I feel like this conversation that you're all happening and the information that you're getting from her is happening at the same time. So by the time Ava is handing over a burlap sack filled with apples is yeah. about the time that you're exactly all... exactly how many I wanted. We're, we're getting out our burlap kidnap sack? Is, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to say it's going to be six silver and you're able to get just... A bunch of apples. They're all red delicious. They're all like, oh. but they're all like fresh and crisp oh. off the off the tree. It's great. Oh. The abomination that is red delicious. Oh, I like red delicious. I think they're good. Anyway, they're all red delicious. Jules, this is a fantasy game. In the fantasy game, the red delicious apples are delicious. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They're all red apples. They're all the big, the large ones that are all just sweet and crisp and yes. Bigger than Bernie's face. Oh, yeah. Actually, a couple of them are just gigantic because it's it's coming into spring here. And so these are like the first off of the tree. And so, yes, just about the time that you're like, Scarlet Citadel, Scarlet Citadel, bag of apples, Scarlet Citadel. <laughs> and yeah, she asks, uh, if you find Ichabond, please find him quickly because she she did have several conversations with him over the course of the time that he was here and is worried about him and is able to, like all residents of this town, give you directions to the Scarlet Citadel from here. It is only about an hour outside of town. Uh, is that where you'd like to go? Is there anything else you want to do in town before you leave? Bernie just wants to look at Carlton Gub. Hey, Carlton, let's go ride that log flume. Why do you think I'm dressed like a logger? Good people of Faerun, Carlton Tanks here to let you know that Dungeon Drunks is now a level up dice affiliate. Does your ranger need stone dice to show off their connection to nature? Or how about a crystal set to show off your devotion to Queen Bay? Maybe a set of blue dice so everyone knows that your fireball burns hotter. Or what about a set of heavy metal so your barbarian can roll with force? Dungeon Drunks and Level Up Dice have you covered. You can now support Dungeon Drunks with your next dice purchase by following our affiliate link bit.ly slash dungeon drunks. That's bit.ly slash capital D dungeon capital D drunks. And happy rolling! We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on October 10th at 8pm Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. F-R-I-G-Y-A-L-D-R-U-S-T So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. So you all head out of Red Tower, heading 
down the road with the directions that you have to go to the infamous Scarlet Citadel. And the old road from the town out is, it's kind of decrepit. It You would expect for all of the hype that you've been given it to be this well-cared-for, well-trodden road, but it's basically a weed-choked track through the forest. But after about an hour of travel, you break through the trees to see it. And while it is in ruins, the Scarlet Citadel is kind of impressive. It's this large structure standing on top of a low hill that gradually slopes up all around it. The slope is gentle, but the ground is rugged. There's ravines and boulders and tangled brush and fallen trees all over the place that you have to kind of pick your way through. The fort itself of the citadel, when it was standing, was probably incredibly impressive, but it was obviously breached at some point in history. And so about half the walls have been just completely destroyed and crumbled, while a couple of them do still stand. The outer walls, the ones that are still standing, are about 15 feet high, but there is two towers that are still visible and at least intact enough to stand. A main tower that's about 40 feet up and a secondary keep that's about 30 feet. But even from outside the citadel, you can see that they're heavily damaged. Despite all of the decay, it's really easy to see why this was called the Scarlet Citadel. It is completely made out of the red stone blocks that you saw actually back in Red Tower. The actual Red Tower was made of. The entire keep is made out of these dark red stone blocks. And so it stands out amongst the greenery that's kind of poked up all these years. And as you enter, you can see. Because of the destruction, it's a little bit of a maze to pick through. So you don't see a immediate entrance to go either to go lower. The stuff that you've been hearing from the town is that this is essentially a dungeon type complex. So you're looking for a way to go down. When you poke your head in through the towers, you can tell the the staircases are not going to last much longer. There's really nothing up there but birds and dust. And any moment now, at least one of those towers might fall over. Carlton, you think you could give one of them a swift kick and it would just... <laughs> what would you like to do? Jonathan, the Magimuscular looks up at the Citadel and kind of gives a nod to everyone and casts Major Armor on himself. Brandy gives him a big thumbs up. And she goes, oh. I thought there'd be more... Pe people? Jonathan the Magimuscular thinks that this is where people come to die. Oh, okay, that's pleasant. Um, I know. Oh, actually, Carlton, speaking of which, hey, can I borrow your noggin for a moment? Yeah. Oh. I thought you wanted me to use my noggin to break in the a door. You, you, you may, brother, you may yet. While we're at it, remember how yesterday I was like, hey, do we want to do Telbond before we get into town? And then it could have been really convenient. We have 10 minutes. We do have 10 minutes. All right. Jonathan the Magimuscular. This is something that Jonathan the Magimuscular do that Jonathan the actual person cannot do anymore because Jonathan the, the actual person is old. Jonathan does the thing where he sits into crisscross applesauce from standing. Ah. And. Okay. And then Can starts, I do that? starts the ritual. 
Hang on. Okay, fine. I need, I need to know if I'm All right, right. So one second. second. Oh, shit. Everybody's... Oh, oh yes. no. I ain't getting up. Yes. I know. I can't do yeah. that. Yeah. I fell. <laughs> Not for <Wait>. yet. <laughs> I know for a fact I can't do that shit. It's possible. It's painful. I can't. I shouldn't sit like that with my back. Mm. Well, he's casting the Telbond spell. Uh, Travis Corps wants to ask the rest of the party, uh, how much of a trace do you want to guys, you guys want to pass with? Some? None? A lot all, of a trace? All, all the trace. The- Jonathan the Magic Muscular votes Wait, for none. no. That doesn't make sense. We don't want to be traced, so none of the trace. Okay. Travancore is going to cast Pass Without Trace. Okay. Are you already in the Citadel? You've Because I described you entering kind of just through the main entrance, which is destroyed. So are you doing this in the entrance way? No, just outside. Okay. Listen, we're... we're... We're seasoned adventurers. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, level we're, we're 17 casting now. Bus while we're, uh, you know, while we, before we enter the, uh, the instance. And root. That's, uh, that's some language or another, right? Hmm. En route. En route. I'm okay. sure it's en, but okay. Travancore, I would like you, don't spend that spell slot just yet. Okay. Because I need to roll something real quick. As Jonathan is doing his 10 minutes of... While yeah. you're doing that, I will report that I made it about halfway before realizing that I am too old and too heavy to do that anymore. The reason why you didn't hear a crash was because I bailed right away. Well, you heard a crash because I should have bailed. <laughs> you were smart enough to bail. Okay. I am going to be a kind DM and Ooh. tell Travancore, don't spend this. That- Travancore, you have this moment where you're going to pass without a trace, and you're like, well, it doesn't make sense to do that right now, because Jonathan is in the middle of casting the spell. We've right. already kind of made this noise, so let's wait until he's done, and then cast it. Makes sense. Okay. So what's happening is he's he's casting Telebond, and we're all trying to sit crisscross applesauce on the ground from yeah. standing, and we all fall down and make dumb noises. Mm-hmm. The other re- way I'm going to be a kind DM is I'm going to say 10 minutes go by, and Jonathan... The Telbond activates. All of you, all of you, hear two things at that moment. You hear the bing, Telbond, and as you accept the charges. And real quick, Jonathan, did you include any or all of the animal companions? Uh, yeah, I think we can. So, yeah, Shadow, Coco Snoot, and Bucks are in the call. Excellent. So you all hear this noise, this very familiar noise, and accept the charges. And then you all hear a noise that you're not familiar with. It kind of sounds like someone whistling. It's a very pleasant melody. It's coming from inside, actually. Kind of sounds like inside the, the citadel, but maybe either it's echoing off of something or it's higher up. And it's this, you know, the people who can whistle, but they do it so well that it almost sounds like a flute playing. It's, it's got vibrato and it's almost got an ethereal quality to it. And you all hear this. We've all played the Mega Man games before. Yeah, Proto Man. Absolutely. Exactly. And Proto Man would like you to all roll a wisdom saving throw, please. Good thing Jonathan smacked my noggin. Those of you who have advantage against being charmed. Have advantage against this role. Okay. Uh, what if I Good have thing. immunity to being charmed? Uh, you're immune to it? From mind blank. Ah, uh, dang. Uh, then you don't have to worry. Hey. I didn't know that that uh, worked against charm, charm. Okay. It's a really awesome, it's an eighth level spell. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Okay, so Carlton, you just kind of hear it and you're like, oh, that's pretty, that's very, very pretty. Jonathan, what'd you get? 
24. And Travancore? 12 with advantage. And Bernie? 21 with advantage. Awesome. I assume that's magic, right? It's still 21 because that's the first die I rolled, so. It is not magic. Okay, it's still 21. Bernie and Jonathan, you also hear this melody and it kind of tickles the back of your spine for a second. Maybe because it's ethereal, maybe because it's unexpected, but it's pretty. Dravencore. This is because I called it Proto Man, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> this is absolutely beautiful. And you have to go find out who is, who is making this absolutely gorgeous music. And so you get up and you have to move inside and head towards that music right now. Yeah, that's what I do. Like, gotta figure out where that beauty's coming from. You have a moment of metanoia, you follow it. Yep. Does, do we notice this? Oh, yeah. I mean, Travancore just gets up and starts to... You don't run, but I'm gonna say you, you are compelled to move towards wherever this sound is. He's and walking it's... with the purpose? Yes. In his sneakers down his street and asked many questions like children often do. That's enough. <laughs> Bernie just looks at Carlton and says, exit strategy. I think this is like, becoming an entrance strategy. <laughs> she's like, she mimics. She's like, Carlton. I'm all, it's, it's in my hand already. You think I don't walk around with these all ready to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, she's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. driving course. She's mm-hmm. like, get him. Can we make, like, the tune that Travancore is hearing, like, the tune from Counting Blue Cars by Dishwalla? I think that's just perfect. I love that song, actually. Dear God, I'm... Li- okay, I'm... I'm I, I am... Now, this is my compulsion. I yeah. have to add that to my 90s playlist, because I had forgotten that song existed until right really now. really good song. I understand that. Add Rusted Root sent me on my way, too. <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. I feel Can like since Travancore has succumbed to this beautiful melody that what he is hearing in his head that is uh, enticing him can be whatever it is that he thinks. I am not going to sing that because it would be <laughs> bad. But I think if that's if that's what Travancore needs to hear, that he would move into the Scarlet Citadel, heedless of his friends, absolutely. And in this moment, as you get inside, yeah, it's bouncing off a couple of the the ruins and the rocks and everything, but you can very clearly hear that it's coming from the shorter tower, the uh the 30-foot one nearby. And you get to the what would be the doorway of this tower, but the door has long since rotted away, and you can see the stairs winding up. Many of them are broken and destroyed. It's going to be a little perilous to try to get up these stairs, but as you poke your head on in and look up, it's clearly coming from the top of this tower. At this point, I'm going to let Travancore make an... Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to ask what the rest of you are doing as Travancore gets to the doorway. I was told to make an exit strategy, so I am ready and waiting to make an exit strategy. Okay. An exit into someone's life is what I'm assuming Bernie means. Well, Bernie meant for you to go get Travancore, but she's decided just to shrug that one off. And, um, you know what? Bernie, you have to be more specific. Bernie, like, looks over to Jonathan, and she's just like... She just kind of goes, yeah, I guess that one's on me. Can we, we're all, like, he's starting to do this, right? Like, we, these are, we're all reacting in the same moment. So it's not like we all watched him just turn the corner. Like, Bernie freaked out pretty quickly. 
yeah, I'm assuming he got up and started to move and you're all like, hey, and then you you could have followed him in. But he's he's made it to this doorway in this moment. And I'm kind of that's why I'm asking, what are the rest of you doing in this moment? Is he still within 30 feet of me? Uh, he can be. You you can be within 30 feet of him before as he reaches the doorway for sure. Bernie's no, he's within 120 feet. Bernie said, uh-uh. Bernie just looks at Carlton. She goes, I'm not dealing with this. I know. And she's going to cast Dispel Magic. It, well, I guess it's not magic, is it? You just told me it wasn't. And if it's not, then your character would know it. So I think yeah, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, if it's not, she would know it. I was either going to cast that or Bless in hopes that he has an option to shrug it off and I can <laughs> aid that a little. Bernie, roll a history check. Interesting. That is a 22. A lot of extra history lately. You are about to dispel magic. And then a thing tickles the back of your mind as you, you've encountered creatures who can sing, who lure people in with their song before. And you know, before you cast the dispel magic, this is magic, but it is not a spell. This is a thing that a lot of creatures like harpies can do and if you would like to switch to the bless in order to help travancore break out of it i'll say you know for sure the bless is going to be more helpful than the dispel magic question lauren yeah as someone who has fallen for the harpy song before yep would I have recognized that tune before I became immune to it? Well, it's not the same tune. Okay. But the general idea of hearing a song and being entranced by it to move towards it. Roll a history check. Because why not? All right. Because uh, it was a while ago that y'all met Harpies. Five. <laughs> Bernie told you to prepare for battle. And that's what you're prepared for. Bernie? Yeah. Bernie's going to cast Bless as a third level spell so that she can get everyone all four of them plus the bear all right you're all blessed jonathan in this moment is there anything you would like to do i guess jonathan is gonna look at bernie and ask so we're going in and doing this right bernie's gonna sigh along yeah we gotta go get him i mean we all need right. him so jonathan like jonathan the match muscular kind of waves his hand around his head and snaps yeah, okay, yeah, he he utters a word of power as he circles his hand around his head and snaps, and a crowd of stars blinks into his existence around his head. All right, Travancore, I need you, since you've now been blessed, and it's been six seconds, uh, to give me another wisdom saving throw. Also with advantage and with the bless. Okay, let's add the bless. The bless is the d4, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so the total is going to end up being a oh, 21. Awesome. That's a good bless. So you're in the doorway of this tower. You've One looked say. up bless it. Me. Look at the, the decrepit staircase that you would have to climb somehow in order to get to this lovely melody. I'm going to say in this moment, you look back at your friends who have come into the Scarlet Citadel close enough at least to be able to see you, to cast bless, to do things like that. You look back up and the melody turns sour as you see the wielder of this melody as a horrific beaked creature peers over the side of this tower about 30 feet up. 
And you weren't sure what you were expecting, but now that you see the monstrosity above you, nope, that's, that's, that's not it. And oh, that music that you heard, that, no, that's more like a screech. That is more like something horrific. So it's turned into Metallica St. Anger. Oh, worse than that. Oh. <laughs> Metallica St. Anger, except uh, played by a, a middle school cover band. Oh, no. Of recorders. You live it or lie it. You live it or lie it. (laughs) You are all familiar with harpies, even though some of you haven't thought about them in a while. And some of you just now, as this creature appears, are like, oh, yeah, harpies. And this thing is vaguely harpy-like. It's got the wings and kind of the, the weird feminine appearance and the bird feet and the long hooked nose. But there's, it's huge. It is way bigger than the harpies that you've seen before. And it has growths on it that are strange, bubbling protrusions that you really are not sure that you understand what they are. They're almost like boils that are actively boiling. And the anatomy of this creature is twisted in a way in where, yes, it's got the wings that you expect, but the wings come out of parts of the torso that it's... It's not on its back. It's like one on its side and one on its front. The legs, one of them seems to be almost twisted around in the other direction. It is as though someone took a harpy and pulled it apart and put it back together in the wrong way. And as you all look up at this thing, it screeches. It's this loud discordant as it seems to understand that it's breaking its hold over Travancore. I need everyone to make another wisdom saving throw for a different thing. And then we're going to go into initiative. Do I still have advantage or no? Um, uh, no. But we're still blessed. So there's that. Oh, yeah. Blessed. Thank God for blessed. Yes. You're all blessed, but this is not a charmed condition. Travancore? 10. And Jonathan? 21. And Bernie? 17. And uh, Carlton? Uh, as you know, Carlton is great at wisdom saving throws, which is what I normally would say when I'm being sarcastic, but I got a 22, so I actually was good at this time. Hmm, All right. Travancore, this is just not your, your beginning of your combat. No. Travancore, you, probably as you've had the most horrific change in the last couple of seconds of what you're expecting versus what has happened, you take four psychic damage, and you are frightened. This thing terrifies you and you're going to be able to repeat the saving throw at the end of each of your turns but for the moment you cannot willingly move closer to this thing and you have disadvantage in all ability checks and attack rolls while you can see it Mm. and as it spreads its wings and cracks its neck at you as it's let out this discordant thing let's all roll initiative Bernie points to the harpy and looks at looks at Carlton and goes, Exit strategy! Way ahead of you. All right. Carlton. Carlton uh, was prepared for the exit strategy and got a 23. Awesome. Jonathan. With a natural 20, so everybody oh, drink. Hey, nice. Hey. Nice. Hey. Drink. Jonathan the Magimuscular got an 8 for the first time in a while. The dice weren't with him, but I guess this isn't that bad. That's, that's not too bad. Travancore? Travancore got a 22. Nice. And Bernie? Bernie got an 18. I usually do shit on these rolls. Uh, what did Shadow get? Nine. 
nine. All right. And Bucks is going to go on Jonathan's turn. And I think that's everybody. So these harpies are going first. Sorry. That's fine. They're just a little bit faster. Um, so the one that is on top of the tower that has been enticing to Travancore that has been some horrible thing that you don't quite understand is in a frenzy of anger and fear sees that you have broken through um, and you are afraid and it is going to dive down onto Travancore and is going to try to bite and claw you. Yeah. Don't like, though, being bitten or clawed. Does a 21 hit you, Travancore? Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, So this is the bite comes down this horrible beak that is bubbling with something disgusting. Uh, You take seven piercing damage and 12 necrotic damage as it just, it burns. Um, And then does a 16 hit you for the claws? As it wrenches out a chunk of you and tries to slash you with the claws, that you're able to dodge out of the way. And then the other one that was up there also comes down and is going to do the same thing. Oh, there's two? Yeah, you're you're getting... This time, though, the bite only hit a 16, so I believe that misses. Yeah, that misses. And the claws... Oh, uh, the claws got a 21. Yeah, that'll hit. Uh, nine slashing damage as nine. this one you're able to continue the dodge out of the way but then the claw kind of rakes you up the side so that was the two that came from above and dropped down on either side of you to give everybody an idea of the the battlefield at this moment it's basically kind of this open center section of the ruins travancore is standing in front of this tower and is now flanked by these two harpies and the rest of you can be as close or as far away from Travancore in this moment as you would like to be. Carlton, you are standing next to Travancore, and there are these two horrible uh, harpy-ish creatures. What would you like to do? I get mad. Okay. And I rage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Been a while. Carlton had to remember how to get angry. Uh, you know, being in the kitchen really kind of centered him a little bit, brought him down, working on the line. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to rage. Then let's uh bring my sword of answering up. I'm going reckless. Okay. That's a soft 20 hit. Absolutely. Great. Let's do a lot of dice rolls. Let's do all the damage. 12 on that first hit. Okay. Second attack, uh, 18 to hit. That also hits. 15 on the second hit. Okay. How are they looking? Uh, you've hurt the one that you've been slashing. It's not... It's still looking hungry. It's still looking like it's there. Do I want a second wind or, or not second wind, but uh, action surge already? Uh, no, I'm going to save. We're, we're only on the first room. Carlton's been in enough dungeons that says you don't blow all your resources on the you don't first kill the, room. You don't blow everything on the door guard. All right. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to stand there. He's got his spirit guardians up. Things are good. He feels fine. All right. Travancore. It is your turn. You are currently frightened, which means at this moment, you've got a lot of disadvantages. But Oof. you do have control over whatever you need to do. All right. Well, um, since he's flanked and they're right up at his grill, a ranged attack doesn't seem like the best option. So as a bonus action, he's going to cast. I think this is the first time I'm doing this in the game. Flame Blade. Ooh. Tell, tell me about Flame Blade. <laughs> that was a ooh for That's... all of the cast. Flame Blade sounds cool. Yeah. You evoke a fiery blade in your free hand. 
The blade is similar in size and shape to a scimitar, and it lasts for the duration. If you let go of the blade, it disappears, but you can evoke the blade again in a bo- as a bonus action. You can use your action to make a melee spell attack with the fiery blade. On a hit, the target takes 3 die d6 fire damage. The flame blade sheds fire, bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. At higher levels, when you cast it using a spell slot at 4th level or higher, the damage increases by 1 die 6 for every 2 slot levels above the, the uh, second. So, for record, I'm casting this on 6th level, because I have 6th oh. level spell now. Nice. Oh, well, you gonna fuck some shit up with well, that? Yeah. you know, normally you save this stuff for later in the dungeon, but I got two harpies in my grill, so... Okay. How long does this last? Is this a single hit, or is this over... Is this, like, lasting a minute? Concentration it's- up to 10 minutes. Ooh. All right, you're gonna have this for a while. That's good. All right. So I attack with Avec Disavantage. Unfortunately, yes. Are you going after the one that Carlton just hit or the other one? The Focus Fire, so I want to Carlton hit. Sure. So either way, it's going to be a 23 to hit. That absolutely hits. It shies away from the light as uh, this flame blade appears in your hand. (laughs) Oh, look at all those dice. It's real beautiful. I love the animations from the D&D Beyond. That's undo. Oh, only 14 damage, but something at least. All right. Uh, and do you you just get the one hit with it when you cast it? I think it just says one hit. Let me double check. So it doesn't say anything about additional hits or whatever. Okay. So. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to do? That was just your action. Uh, I don't want to leave because then they're going to beat me up even more. So I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, since it's the end of your turn, I need you to make another wisdom saving throw. And I'm still blessed. So there's that. You are still blessed. And I still have advantage on wisdom saving throw. Oh, not for this one, right? Uh, for this one, no, because this is the Frightened, so. Well, let's add my Bless. Don't forget your Bless. Not that I'll need it, but, uh, let's add it anyway. Uh, that's gonna be a dirty 20. So, what happens in this moment that you're able to finally shake off this fear? Uh, so Travancore, like, you know, having heard good music, then bad music, then have Harpies coming and attack him. You know, the flame, I think the brightness of the light. Like, sort of just awake something in Travancore's, like, a soul and his eyes. He's just, like, realizes, is like, hey, forget, remember who you are. The, the light is here to guide you. And, uh, and he's able to what, shake it off. That's awesome. And it's a good thing, too. Because just as you shake this off and you're holding this flaming scimitar and everyone's feeling like, all right, you know, we've kind of turned this around from behind the pillar, from behind the, the tower that you're in front of. Two more of these creatures come crawling around the side, see you and start to shriek in that predatory noise that they make. And once again, all of these look disjointed and almost like they've been dismembered and shoved back together. There's no noticeable like, hey, here's like a seam or anything, but the fa- it's it really is like they've been just mutated. It's I, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. They're Franken Harpy's monsters. My oh. bad. Yeah. Franken Harpy is the doctor. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And they all have these uh, boils on them as though there's just kind of this bubbling liquid that's constantly uh, on patches of them. One of them is going to dive for Carlton. It has advantage because I'm reckless. It, it does. The bite is going to come in. Uh, does a 25 hit you, Carlton? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, it's going to be nine piercing damage. All right. So I will have Ooh, that. I rolled really well on that. 24 necrotic damage. 
I am not resistant to that. And then the claw is going to come on in. That's a 25 to hit. Uh, That will be 12 slashing damage. The other one stays on the side of the building and starts to slam on the building with its foot. Almost like it's knocking. You're douche, 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 douche. Who has a passive perception over seven, 17 or over? Yeah, no. 25. No. I do. Bernie probably does, right? I got a 15 as my passive perception. Bernie, since it's your turn, I'm going to let you roll a perception check in this moment. It's not going to count against mm-hmm. any of your actions. Um, since it is your turn next, and then I'll kind of describe. So 24. Okay. Then I'm going to say, Bernie, you do hear this. And it makes sense for Travancore and Carlton to hear this because you're closer to the building that the growl comes out of. And Bernie, it's your turn. You know what? You know what we haven't used in a while? I don't know. Well, the first thing she's going to do is she's going to cast Spiritual Weapon. We'll cast it at a fourth level. And it's going to go be placed closest this is her bonus action she's gonna place it closest to whatever harpy is still trying to track uh trap and core sure and whichever one looks the weakest absolutely and what does it look like well they've got a lot of boils and problems like that so it looks like a bottle of hydrogen peroxide (laughs) (laughs) all right my spiritual peroxide that's right we need a little bleach for the soul when i was getting my bernie tattoo and i'm like Spiritual weapons had so many forms. I can't literally have every form of her spiritual weapon on my leg. I'm like, let's do Kevin. We'll do Kevin's Kevin suit. Yeah, it's very. I actually had a friend who played a cleric in our game, and I was really excited to see what he did with his spiritual weapon. And he made his spiritual weapon look like the weapon he was carrying every single time. And I was like, what? Uh, But that is a twenty nine. Oh yes, that. Oh hold on. I guess I would add my bless to it. Uh, Don't yes, forget you can. your bless. I will say it hits, but if you'd like to add the bless just Look, to get that pumped over a 30 for funsies, I'm not going to say no. exactly a 30 for funsies. Nice. Dirty nice. 30 um, definitely yay. hits. It is going to be 20 damage. Yeah, this one is starting to look really rough now between the, the burnt feathers and the slashes from Carlton and now your hydrogen uh, spiritual weapon, hydrogen peroxide weapon. It's, it's looking rough. But surprisingly, its boils look better. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but yeah, it, that hurt. Oh, that was a pain that it had to take to do it. Is everyone doing okay health-wise? I have a 103, so I'm still over 100, which is pretty good. Bernie wants her insect plague. All right. You can tell it's been a while since we fought anything. <laughs> does that have a, does that have an area of effect? That's like, I want something that'll get a lot of them. 20-foot radius, there we go. And you said there were some that were in a 20-foot radius, correct? Uh, You could easily get three of them within a 20-foot radius, but I do have to ask, does it only attack enemies or does it attack creatures? It's creatures. If it's creatures, then it will attack your friends. Uh, You can get two of them without hitting any of your friends. I'll do that. Bernie's feeling magnanimous. Okay. We're going to cast it at sixth level. That's okay. Just because they have to do a saving throw, a constitution saving throw. All right. Let's see. The one that is super hurt got a dirty 20. Damn it. I'm pretty sure Insect Plague is half damage if they save. So I think the other one that is standing right there got an 18. 
Okay, so one of them takes 36 in B damage, and the other one takes, uh, yeah, half as much. So 18, 18, 18 B damage. All right. The one that had been harried by everybody, the bees finish it off. The bees swarm this weird mutated harpy creature, and it screams as it no longer has to worry about boils. It's now apparently been beed to death. The other one takes some of that damage, but is still looking pretty good. And uh, that was your action, your bonus action. Would you like to move anywhere? So I'll stay right here. Okay. Shadow is up next. What would Shadow like to do? All right. Uh, Shadow's going to move into the remaining harpy that's uh, on Travancore and move into a flanking position. Okay. And he is going to do a multi-attack. Sounds good. That's going to be a 23 to hit. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Oh, sweet. That's going to do um, 13 damage for the bite. All right. And how much of that is fire damage? Oh, sorry. It's fire damage. I, I just did the piercing. So one die six is going to be the fire damage. Okay. All right. Give good me, to know. Yeah. Give me the... Yeah, because it should be piercing damage and fire damage because Shad was a fire oh. bear. Well, <laughs> one fire damage. Hey, it's one more than you were doing. So, True. okay. And there's still the claw. Well, that's more like it. No, dirty 20 to hit. Absolutely. Wunderbar. All the die. Shadow's yep. turning into a barbarian with all these die. Right? Yep. All right, so five plus I've seven. I trained him well. So 12 slashing plus uh, five fire. All right. Uh, this other one that's next to you started off okay and is now looking pretty burnt and hurt and is pretty upset. Jonathan, it is your turn. There are still two harpies on the ground. There's one on the tower. And you heard a growl from inside the tower. All right. Well, let's simplify things a little bit. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to put a fourth level fireball. Can he angle it to get the one on the wall or just the two on the ground that are around Travancore? You can place it to get all three of them. Okay, good. That's what I'm going to do. So, kaboom! Dexterity saving throws for all of them, I assume? Yes. All right. Speed of 19. I mean, they're they're kind of dexterous. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's, that came off a little bit more aggressive than I was intending. No, no, no. I, I approve. <laughs> please, please be the 19. I, or actually, I, don't, don't please be the 19. <laughs> oh, God. Listen, I, I approve of this challenge to these creatures. Okay, let's start. Uh, so the one next to Travancore, that's a 17, so it didn't make it. Uh, the one next to Carlton got a 17. Didn't make it. The one on the wall, that one made it. That got a 21. So okay. the two on the ground are going to take full damage. The one on the wall, the, the tower is going to take half. All right. So full damage is going to be 39. And so I guess that would make the uh, half 19. The one next to Travancore that Shadow had already dug into also, when your fireball goes off, by the time it and dissipates, that one is no more. Oh, and obviously I, I, I uh, sculpt around uh, Shadow, uh, Travancore, and... Oh, yeah, Ed Carlton, sorry. Ed, Ed Carlton, yeah. I kind of figured there was some sculpting going on. He's got hit on. points that I could literally burn. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's the, it's the principle that, of the thing. That would be... That would not be kind. Hey, Jonathan, what's your maximum right now? Oh, my maximum? I feel yeah. like this is a loaded question, but 129. Yeah, I just got the shit smacked out of me, and I still have more health than you. <laughs> yes. Fair. That D20 hit Kind of what my job is. 
So the one on the tower is still there and is still looking pretty good. The one next to Carlton is looking pretty hurt. The other two are dead. All right. The one next to Carlton. Let's go ahead and narrow our focus a little bit. Jonathan the Magimuscular takes one of the stars around, swirling around his head as a bonus action and uh, tosses it over. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that hits, but I mean, why I, I why have Bless if you're not going to roll it? Right. Uh, so 27 AC. That hits. And then another 23 points of radiant damage. And that one, first with blue fire and then with a radiant star, goes and is no more. Anything else? Oh, uh, no, that's it. John the Muscular, uh, you hear a ha-ha in the call and also it out loud. Okay. He forgot that we're still on a call. Basically, the only thing that is left is the one that is on the tower that has been banging on the side of the tower. And the growl that you heard now gets loud enough that even or that even Jonathan can hear it. And you hear poof, 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 as a furry figure comes barreling out of the doorway of this tower. And for a moment, you are all a little horrified because it seems to be an owlbear. And then you're all horrified because it seems to be an owl bear. There's something in the same way the harpies are wrong. This owl bear, something is wrong. It's bigger. Bits and patches of its fur are boiled over with some of the same boils that you're seeing on the harpy, but then some of them have like protrusions coming out of them. Some of them are extra spikes and a row of like a serrated edge of them down this creature's back. The owl face has the hooked beak, but it's even more long and wicked. It almost curves around back under itself. It's so big. And you actually see what could be fangs on the side of the beak. The eyes are two different colors, one a red and one a green, kind of balefully, angrily looking out at all of you. The feathers that are usually under the arms uh, of this powerful, massive beast almost are serrated in a way. And once again, there's a a smell that is the same kind of smell that was coming off of these harpies, kind of a, an acidic smell that hits all of you in, in a way that a natural creature does not have. It goes slamming into Travancore and Carlton, and it's going to go after... It's going to go after Travancore because Travancore has... Hold on. Does it, does it come into the bee... Does it come into the B zone? The B zone, if you will. The B zone. Because when B-zone. every it has to make a saving throw when it enters the spells area for the first time. I'm gonna say yes, but it's not gonna stay there. It has to come through your bees, so it's gonna make the saving throw. And it's gonna take some of that damage. What's that saving throw? The saving throw is a constitution save. And I think, do you want to use the same damage just for consistency or do you want to roll new? I'll go ahead and roll new. It failed because I'm assuming a 13 does not succeed. (laughs) Uh, No, it doesn't. 23 damage. All right. It comes barreling out of the bees and uh, slams into Travancore uh, with bee marks. 
but it's still, this is a huge muscular creature and it's hide, the feathers and the fur and everything are a little bit thicker. So it's taken this damage, but it seems to be a lot hardier than the harpies. And it's going to multi-attack. So is going to be a dirty 20 to hit. That will hit. Okay. And an 18 to hit. That will also hit. Okay. Roll those damages separately because I'm going to interact with the first one. So the first attack is 17 bludgeoning damage. All right. Uh, my spirit shield's going to take off eight of that. So you only take nine. Okay. okay. The second attack is going to be 15 bludgeoning damage. Okay. And because it hits oh you twice, you're also going to take five psychic damage. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Travancore okay. having a bad day. Yeah, oh seems that way. You had a bad day. Add my blessing to that too, right? Yes. Oh no, not that it's going to matter. Um, oh no. Yeah, I rolled a uh, natural one. Oh, jeesh. Oh, Travancore, you pulled a Carlton. Yeah. Travancore, why did you fail at this so miserably? Why uh, was Tra- Travancore having trouble concentrating after having been charmed and attacked by harpies? What an interesting question. I mean, that's fair. That's Oprah fair. <laughs> you are knocked prone. And Dang. yeah, it now is going to lord over you as you, you are just whacked. And then something in your head hits you as you're hit twice by these arms and you're just knocked prone. And then we're back to the top. Carlton, it's your turn. All right. Uh, DM, just real quick. Uh, Bucks on, on oh, my yes. turn would have just flown straight up and then would have... Uh, Vomited as a full action uh, upon sight of this horrible owl bear. I mean, that's super fair. Uh, that uh, he's like fifty feet in the air, and and all of a sudden on upon Jonathan's bald head. Yeah. Oh, on uh, his head. Okay, I was gonna yeah. be kind and put it there, but if you want, no, no, it it, yeah. it, uh, it puts it on his head, and he's like, "Thanks, buddy." All right, Trevor, you're not incapacitated, are you? No, he's just not no, prone. Just prone. Okay, great. Uh, in that case, I'm gonna get myself into a flanking position. Okay. With the, it was what, the weird owlbear that struck him? Yeah. You can't be in a flanking position because he's prone. I'll get in a reckless position. Okay, if you want a reckless. <laughs> Wait, is it Shadow up in here? Is it Shadow up, up in this area? Shadow is not next to this creature. I have another position called reckless position, and I'm in that position. Sure. Give me those reckless attacks. 27. That hits. For uh, 17 points. Okay. And then uh, 16 for the second hit. Yeah, it was a 26 for the second hit. This thing's obviously still standing. Yeah, but it's starting to look hurt. Great. Action Surge, 24 to hit. That does. Yeah. Uh, For 16 points. Okay. Still alive. Is still alive. Not for long, with 27 to hit for another 14. It is still alive, although we'll see what ah! happens with the rest of your friends. But yes. Anything else? That, that was all the things at once. It was a lot of damage. Uh- all right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Travancore, you are prone in front of this creature. Oh, boy. Well, I guess I'll use half my movement to get up. Okay. First things foremost. And because I had a constant saving thing, I failed it. Does my flame blade go away? No, that was just to see if you could maintain being uh, upright. It would have been that you got hit. Give me, give me one constitution saving throw to see if you've maintained concentration on the spell. Do I get to have my bless to that? Oh, no. Yes, because it is <laughs> a right. saving throw. Here we go. Well, I'm not sure it's going to matter. Um, it's going to be a total of seven. Oh, sadly, unfortunately, your flame blade has gone away. It was, you were not able to maintain concentration on that as you, poof, hit the ground. That's fine. New flame blade. This one's going to be at the, only the uh, fifth level. New flame blade. Uh, 
same epicness. I'm going to be out of I like, I really like the idea of you, like, you've got a hilt. And you're just, like, shaking it a little bit. Like, it's gone out. And you're like, and you're, yeah. You just, like, bang the back of it. And the flame babe, like, comes back out and almost stabs it, it, you in the torso. It's like a lighter. You got to check and see if if uh, if any fluid is still in there. Yeah. Okay. There, you go. there you go. So I cast a flame blade and uh, the fifth level this time. And I'm on a attack, roll to attack. And hopefully my roll does better this time. It's going to be 21 to hit. Absolutely hits. Rad. All right. Here we go. Bunch of die get rolled, and it's going to do another 16 damage. Travancore, describe in gory detail the death of this creature. Oh, man. So Travancore has had a day so far with these, uh, his mind getting hacked with, with music, so it's something he loves normally, and then these harpies, like, you know, beating up on him a little bit, and then getting barreled into by, uh, by, uh, abomination-type owlbear. And uh, Travancore is not having it. He's just like he. And the other thing is, he's a ranged guy, so like he's not ordinarily using like these these melee weapons. So he's just gonna like hack into this thing, like in, right into its head with the flame blade over and over again. And you can tell he's really rattled by this. And he's gonna keep going until the thing is nothing but ash. And you do. It falls before it's before you are done. So there is a moment or two where you're still whacking away at it. And something about the anger of this awful last 30 seconds or so, because it hasn't technically been that long, but it feels like forever. Something about your anger increases the the power behind this flame blade and the beast catches fire and goes Foof! And it is nothing but ash. And you are left all standing inside the infamous Scarlet Citadel, having encountered an owlbear and some harpies? Question mark? And right there is where we will pause. And next time we'll pick up right here where you'll have a chance to do whatever you need to do post-battle. But first, let me give you some experience for Jungo. <laughs> for Jungo. That was so good. And... And for a, a fun little battle and more battles to come, I'm going to give you a total of 13,100 experience to split between the four of you. But next time we get together, uh, you will be that much closer to another level. You are now inside the infamous Scarlet Citadel, and maybe it'll be time to dive into its depths, and we'll find out more. Ooh. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, aka Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.